What's up, y'all? This is Michael C. Jesus from the trap, two ears, one mouth. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be a little different. It's um, it's not going to be about photography or being a creative. It's it's about me this time, you know. Um, tell y'all a little bit about me. Give y'all my rundown. Yeah, my rap sheet, so to say, and um, get you some insight about me, opposed to me just throwing my work and what I do in your face without you knowing who the person is behind the camera. So, again, I'm Michael C. Some people call me Mick. Some people call me Mickey. Um, I'm from Queens, New York. Queens Village, back streets to be exact. Um, we started like this. My life was just like any other person, any other child growing up in the inner city, you know? I grew up in a two-family household, brothers and sisters. Um, very strict family, because, you know, Caribbean descent. So, you know, as long as, as long as I did what I had to do in school, or just, just be a good kid, I basically got anything I wanted. You name it, jewelry, clothes, toys, whatever, man. I was always up to date. My family is very well-dressed. They they come from that cloth of, you know what I mean, fine fabrics and going to the mall back in the days and going to the Coliseum block, Jamaica Avenue back in, the, back in the 80s and the 90s was like the thing, you know what I mean, to the malls and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was a fly kid, man. I ain't even going to lie to you, man. My parents kept me, kept me dipped up as long as I did, you know what I mean, what they asked me to do. But um, soon, sooner or later, that would that would stop because you know, like hanging with friends and the influence of my friends and just wanting to be a part of something other than what my parents wanted was what I lusted for. So once I hit the streets, you know what I mean? Like school wasn't even an option for me after a while. I ain't even gonna lie. Once I get to junior high school, man, it was like, yo, you know, my parents is buying me stuff and everything like that, but. I had to get it when they felt I can get it. So, you know what I mean? When I wanted sneakers and shit like that, you know what I mean? I had to be good in school and all type of shit. So I'm like, man, this shit ain't, this shit ain't, nah, man, I need this shit now, man. These niggas just, motherfuckers is coming to school, fly every fucking day, different switching up, and I got to wait to get fly? Nah, not with that. So, you know, I started smoking weed at like 14, 15 years old type shit, hanging with hanging with a crowd of friends. Let me tell you something. I was a follower, and as a grown man now, I can easily say that I was a follower. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to do what my friends did. I wanted the acceptance, you know what I'm saying? I was the I was the kid that was willing to do whatever. I had an ice grill all day, so it was a facade to keep people away from me and to appear tough and shit like that. I ain't no slouch now, but... I never liked to fight and all that. As much as I fighting and shit like that, I would do and shooting and shit like that, man. That was never my style. After I would leave and go home, I'd be like, damn, that shit was whack. Or I was scared to death, you know what I'm saying? Every fight I ever got into, I would be scared, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, like, I, I was a follower. I can, I can easily admit that, but I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be cool, man, you know what I mean? And, and, and it worked for the most part. It worked, you know what I'm saying? 
started hanging out with my friends and we smoking weed. We beating, we beating other kids up and robbing them for shit like that. And eventually all that shit turned into me getting locked up. Like, I think out of my friends, I was like the first one or the, you know what I'm saying? To start getting locked up at an early age. Sparford, you know what I'm saying? Like getting locked up and going to Sparford and shit like that. And man, once I got a taste of Sparford, bro. That shit was like a different world. I've never met kids my age. You know what I mean? Like, you read about it in the paper or you watch it in the news or something like that. But I've never met kids my age, 14 years old, facing murder. You know what I'm saying? And you hear some of the shit that these kids was going through, man. You know what I mean? I'm Never forget this kid, man. I was locked up with. He had to been like 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. Man, he shot a cop in Staten Island, bro. And, you know, I mean, the world, the way that the world perceived him and the way that, you know, I mean, people approached him and they were scared, you know, what I mean, of this kid. But when you start talking to these kids and you basically they basically become your family because, you know, what I mean, they either sleeping next door to you, you playing cards with them, you watching TV with them. You know, what I mean, we doing everything locked up together. They basically become your family. So I start taking on to these these young murderers, like these young killers and all type of shit like that, man. And I'm like, yo, this is a different world. But then it started getting, it started getting fun. So I would make like two, three trips to Sparford. I would, I would do two months here, come out, do another month here, come out, do another. And it was like that back and forth. And I, I, I wasn't scared of it no more. So it became a part of my life. And then the juvenile shit turned into me doing some juvenile time upstate in DFY. You know, while all my friends is on the streets and shit like that, I'm my dumb ass locked up upstate. You know what I'm saying? As a youngin, you know what I'm saying? Young kid, man. And that shit, man, that shit just, I ain't learned shit. So when I came home from, from being upstate in DFY, you know what I mean? You got that, you got that jail stigma on you. Like, yeah, you know, you got your little weight up and shit like that. You know what I mean? Got my little brolic on and shit, came home. Females starting to little feel a nigga a little more. Niggas starting to respect me even more. So, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm running with that shit. And um, for the most part, I loved it. You know what I mean? Man. That shit is not cool at all now that I'm thinking about it. You know what I mean? But, yeah, man, at that moment, it was dope. You know what I'm saying? So, jail was a major part of my life. Boosting just to get fly, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was a nigga in, in my hood that I was known for dressing nice, you know what I'm saying? And at most times, I'd be dressing nice because of all the shit that I boosted and shit like that, but I ain't have a dollar in my pocket a lot of times, man. I'd be fresh to death, brand new shit, pop tags on everything, and be chilling on the block with niggas with no money in my fucking pocket. But I was willing to do whatever, though. You know what I mean? We fighting or we... Oh, Oh, we fight niggas over here, boom. We go into a club and we getting drunk and we getting high and we, and we jumping niggas, we, we fighting the whole club, boom, I'm doing that. Oh, niggas is fighting, yo, pass me the gun. I'ma shoot that, boom. You know what I mean? I was labeled as that to a point where when things started happening around me and my friends, you know, like at times, niggas would look to me to do the most violent shit first, you know what I'm saying? And I was okay with that because I knew I played a position in the role that... I was comfortable with, 
You know what I mean? I I did the hustling thing, you know what I'm saying? And I would never disrespect real drug dealers and be like, yeah, I was a drug dealer. I did the hustling thing. I wasn't good at it. It wasn't fast enough for me. I sold weed. I sold crack. I sold coke. The money just wasn't coming in fast enough for me than me grabbing a gun sometimes and going to go stick somebody up or, or me taking some shit. You know what I mean? Like... And as I get and as I get older, I, or as I got older, I realized that me taking shit was just me being a hater. For me to take something from somebody that they probably worked hard for, or or, or their parents probably gave to them, I was a hater. You know what I'm saying? And I can easily admit that right now. But boy, at the moment, was it fun? You know what I'm saying? So then, me graduating from. While most kids was graduating high school and shit like that, I was graduating from, from DFY to Next Step Rikers Island. <laughs> Let me tell y'all niggas something, man. If any nigga tell you his first time on Rikers Island, he wasn't scared, he's a fucking liar. I don't give a fuck who you shot. I don't give a fuck who you killed, stabbed, whatever the fuck, how many bricks you sold, my nigga. Once you step on that Rikers Island, my nigga, for the first time, Man, that feeling of not knowing is the most scariest thing ever. You know what I mean? OBCC, too lower. That's where I was located at. And, you know, for the most part, I didn't walk in there with no ice grill on my face and no shit like that. You know what I mean? I just walked in there regular because I figure, you know what I mean? If I'm a cool nigga on the streets, I'll be a cool nigga here, and that's how I go down. And for the most part, that's how it went down. You know what I mean? But my first day on Rikers Island, I can tell you this, man. If anybody been to Rikers Island who listened to this shit, and the house I was in, there's three phones, and they label it like this. There's a black phone for the black people, there's a Spanish phone for the Spanish people, Latin people, should I say, and there's a neutral phone for, you know what I mean, for, for, for neutral, for the carry-on niggas, you know what I mean? Like, yo, y'all, y'all figure that out with that time on that shit. And each phone got slot time. And whoever's running the house, according to groups, you know what I mean? They 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 assigned the slot time. So you got from 7.30 to 8 o'clock or, you know what I mean? Shit like that. Boom. So me not knowing nothing, I, I and, and I'm coming from Queen's house, I see a phone. As soon as I walk in, I'm like, I got to call my moms. I got to let my peoples know that I'm all right. I just made the Rikers Island. Boom. I get on the phone and I get on the, I get on the Spanish phone, not knowing that it's a Spanish phone. Oh, I'm on the phone. Boom, boom, boom. I do, I, I do my one-two. Tell my family I'm alright, whatever I just made to Rikers Island. There's a dude standing right next to me, a Spanish dude. Ponytail, long hair, ponytail, and all that. He lets me rock on the phone, lets me finish my conversation. As soon as I hang the phone up, he was like, yo, that's a Spanish phone. Just like that. So I'm like, alright, so we about to get into it. But I don't know why, but I wanna know why. So I'm like, so I'm like, what you mean, Spanish phone? I'm like, yo, that's, that's the black phone over there. This is Spanish phone. Don't touch that phone. I said, what? He said, that's the black phone right there. This is the Spanish phone. Don't touch this phone. And then he walked off. So when he walked off, I'm I'm baffled. I'm puzzled. I'm thinking to myself, like, what the fuck just happened? So I go to my bed. I sit down on my bed. Two black dudes come up to me. Like, yo, what he said to you? So I'm like, oh, these niggas trying to lie me out. I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking everybody trying to be against me. So I'm like, what? They're like, nah, what What homeboy said to you? I was like, yeah, he told me that was a Spanish phone. Don't touch that phone. They was like, boom. This is how it's going to play out. We're going to go back there. We're going to let him know you with us. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you want 
to shoot the, the Spanish dude a one-on-one or for what he said, if you felt disrespected, we're going to line that up for you right now in the bag. If, you, if you're going to eat that and just let it rock, you know what I mean, because... Obviously, he, he didn't put his hands, you know, nothing like that. You know what I mean? Now you know the rules. You can you can go about it that way as well. How you want to play it? And I would never forget what what one of the black dudes said to me, man. He was like, "Yo, bro, I see it on your face that you that you puzzled, like you don't know what the fuck going on." Yo, bro, if you want to fight the nigga, that's cool. If you don't want to fight the nigga, that's cool too because it don't make you pussy because the nigga didn't put his hands on you. You know what I'm saying? If had he put his hands on you, then you you obligated to take care of that. So he was like, "Yo, dude, if you don't want to fight my nigga, you don't gotta fight, nigga. You still rocking with us." I'm like, "Yo, dude, I don't even want to fight because I don't know what the fuck. I don't know how the rules go. But now that I know the rules, you know what I'm saying I'll move accordingly." They was like, "Boom, don't worry about it." Plus, I had a little size on me too, so them niggas knew I wasn't no punk or nothing like that. So, but um. That's a quick that that's a quick little story about Rikers Island, but man, my heart was scared to death, bro. And even all the tough shit I did on the streets and all that, shooting niggas from across the street and shooting up projects and shit like that, that shit ain't hold no weight amongst these niggas that will put something that they made in and stick it inside your body at any given fucking time. So yeah, I survived that. I don't want to get into a whole long story about that, about jail, but I survived that, came home, you know, years later, I had a daughter, Milan, my beautiful daughter, Milan, love her to death, and um, that was the changing of my life right there, you know what I mean, that's when, when she was born, I was still broke, still had to figure shit out, I'm still stealing Similac just to, just to, just to, feed her and shit like that, my daughter's mother had, had a job at the time, she was the one holding my broke ass down, and, um, yeah, that, that, that's how I went for, for a couple of years of my daughter's life, you know what I mean, I was still trying to figure it out, and my daughter's mother holding us down, and then, um, one day me, me and my daughter's mother got into an argument, and, and this shit changed my life, bro, forever, we got into a serious argument, and basically, she was like, yo, you's a bum-ass nigga. You's a broke-ass nigga. You ain't got shit, my nigga. And usually when we argue, you know, we going back and forth. I'm saying shit, she's saying shit. But this one time she said this shit to me, my nigga, and I didn't cry in front of her, but I felt like it, bro, like, because it was so fucking true. It was so true when she said that shit to a point where I was like, yo, you know what? I will never, ever allow any woman or anyone to ever call me some shit like that again, ever. And I made it my business, man. I was like, yo, from this day forward, I'm gonna figure something out, man. I put myself in um, a, a, a school, like like an auto school to fix, fix trucks and shit like that. At the same time, I'm going to school, I'm working overnight at Toys R Us, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure life out even more, boom, 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 quit another job. At um at AAA, you know what I'm saying? Caught another job after that in the city. And then I, I just kept on with jobs and kept on working and figuring shit out and being able to support myself and support my daughter, man. And um it basically I I can I can end it here almost like it basically just brought me to like, yo, I'm I'm a creative nigga. I I, I used to love to draw when I was a kid. I did music and you know what I'm saying, I always had an eye for certain things, so I was like, your photography, I love photography. My cousin was, he was into cameras and shit like that, and he bought his first camera before me, and then I always was intrigued by that, so I was like, yo, let me get a camera too, man. And I'm at where I'm at right now, man. And I can say this, that 
everything that I just spoke about briefly is what led me to being a photographer and 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 molded my style of photography and and molded my my style of art and how I look at things and how how I view things how I how I want people to portray me and my art is through all those bad experiences which which are pretty good experiences now because and I mean I can, I'm one of the few that can say this, that being locked up so many times and shit like that, that shit saved my life because I know that somebody would have hurt me or I would have hurt somebody. Because I'm not one of them motherfuckers that can walk the streets thinking that I can beat up everybody on this earth. No. What keeps me alive is knowing that whatever I can do to somebody, it can be done to me. And I'm very much aware of that. You know what I mean? I know I'm not Superman. I know if I could punch somebody in the face, they could punch me in the face. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never been knocked out, and I ain't trying to feel that shit. You know what I'm saying? Word, man. These motherfuckers are right. Nigga, you not going YouTube me. I'll tell you that shit, nigga. Niggas is 3D, 5D. You got it, homeboy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what you want, my wallet? Take that. You got a gun? And you got the drop, nigga. I'm not fighting you for no gun unless unless my daughter's involved or you know what I'm saying. And you and I got to get we got to have this, nigga. But if it's just me one on one and you got that ratchet on me and and I can see that I can't take it from you, like you know what I mean? Cause I ain't gonna let a nigga rob me or put a gun to me real close. You know what I mean? I'm gonna try to reach for that. But if you got if you know what you're doing, cause niggas who know what they're doing behind that gun, they know to give you a little distance. So you know what I mean? You just can't jump on them. Nigga, you can have that, bro. And and that goes for any nigga that's listening, anybody that's listening, man. Your life ain't worth no shit that you can buy back. Take that to heed, man. Take that, take that, and, and live with that, bro. You know what I mean? That gangster shit, man, that shit is played out. I never have so much fun once I started living my truth and started living that. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm i not this tough guy, nigga, that I, I always try to be. But one thing I can say, I ain't for the bullshit. You know what I mean? I ain't no tough guy, but I ain't, I, I ain't the one for the bullshit. I ain't no pushover. You're not going to fuck with me like that. But, man, I started embracing, women started embracing me more. I started being more funnier, more livelier when I was being myself, man. And, and living in my truth, you know. So this, so so this is a little brief summary, brief little story about who I am, my background, and where I come from, and the things that I've been exposed to, you know. And hopefully, somebody listen to this and they learn from this, and they and they know that, you know what I mean. You ain't gotta live like that, bro. You can still be that that cool. That, that, that cool fly nigga that everybody accepts without having to portray some tough guy shit. But you don't got to be a punk, neither. I ain't telling you to be no punk, but you know what I mean? Certain shit, man, as a man, you got to be willing to die for. You know what I mean? And that's just that. Straight up. Yo, this is Michael C. Views from the trap. Two ears, one mouth. Peace.